We were not created to live stagnant lives, to be stuck, bound, or broken. We were created with a purpose, a calling, a mandate, a mission. Even in these uncertain times, that calling remains the same. To go into the world, to make disciples, to share the love of Jesus. This is the work of Easter. The greatness of God, the power of the resurrection in action. What Jesus did has changed us made us a new creation, given us an unimaginable hope. Grace has taken root. Mercy has flooded our souls. And the promise of eternity has redefined our everything. So why keep all that to ourselves? It's time to put Easter in motion, to make a difference, to share Jesus with the world around us. If your life has been changed, it's time to get to work. Come on, that's good stuff right there. I want you to be reminded of something this morning, and that is the fact that Christ is risen. That's not something that just we celebrate when Easter comes along. It's something that we celebrate each and every day. Christ is risen. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your neighbor right now, someone who's sitting around you, even if you're at home right now and, and your spouse is in the kitchen or something like that. I want you just to look at them right now, and I want you to say this. I want you to say, he is risen. Come on, go ahead. All right, now, here's the thing, though. I, I need you to say it a little bit more like, like it actually matters. Like, I think about my kids when uh, they're getting ready to run into traffic or something like that. My response is a little different in that moment because I want my kids to understand something, right? I want them to understand that they need to stop! And the reason I do it like that is because I want them to understand that there is meaning behind this. So instead of just looking at our neighbor and saying, Christ is risen. Come on, I want you to actually say it like you actually mean it. Like it's actually, come on, there's one, there's one, come on, come on. Because he is risen. He's not dead in a grave somewhere, he's alive. So come on, look at your neighbor right now and say it like you mean it. Okay, ready? One, two, three. He's risen. He's risen. Now, now I know we can kind of, you know, it's a little fun when we do it like that, but, but the reality of it is, is we should be living differently because of what that message means. That message changes our lives. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we process through. He's not dead in the grave somewhere, but he is alive. And when we realize that Christ is alive, it changes things. It allows us to understand that even when we go through hard times, come on now, even when we go through hard times, even when there are things that we don't understand, even, even in those moments, we can fall back and recognize, no, God's not dead in some grave. He's alive. And because he's alive, that means he actually is moving in my midst. 
like in, in the, the songs that we were just singing, like even when I don't feel it, you're still moving. Even when I can't see it, like we know God's still moving. Like we see him in the midst of the moments that we find ourselves in. And so right now, no matter where you are, whether you're on a high or whether you're in a low, whether you're on the mountaintops or whether you're in the valleys, know that he is risen. He's risen. And it changes everything. You know, this week, Kasha and I had the privilege of um, just hanging out. We had, this is, this, is, this is really fun. We got to enjoy what life is going to be like without kids in the home. Come on now. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you still got littles at home. And we're like, we're a few steps ahead of you. You got littles and you're like, dude, like life is consumed by the littles. If you know what I'm talking about, come on. Anyone? Anyone know what I'm talking about? The littles at home? Like you're like, can I just pee? Like in, like just, can I just use the restroom in quiet without the knocking, right? I remember Kasha just saying that she would be like, Brian, I'm going in and I'm taking a bath. And I'm like, Oh, oh, okay. It's, it's like five o'clock. She's like, I know. <laughs> I need a break. And so she'd go in there and stuff. But then sure enough, I'd say to the kids, hey, leave mom alone. Mom's in the... And then sure enough, they go, because why? Mom knows everything. Dad knows nothing. And, uh, and, uh, or they didn't like the answer dad got, gave them, so they go to mom in uh, that moment. But, but this week, uh, Kasha and I got to enjoy that. We did something for the first time we've ever done... Um, on an Easter Sunday. So last Sunday, we get done preaching the message, and then we hopped in our car, and uh, we went tent camping on Easter Sunday in Michigan. And uh, some people are like, dude, it's so cold, and what, you guys are crazy. And yes, we were crazy, and we had a blast. And then this week, we didn't have kids, and so I worked this week. And then Thursday afterwards, we went on a little two-day getaway, and like we've just, we've just had a ton of fun. And uh, so, like, I'm really amped. I'm really pumped up today. I think it's a little bit of uh, Red Bull. I think it's a little bit of, the, uh, of coffee. I've had quite a few of those this morning. And, and I think it's a whole lot of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm really pumped about that. And I feel like God gave me a word for you today. So I want you to look at your neighbor right now. And I just want you to say, get ready. Come on, just say, get ready. Get ready. I need some interaction today. I need, I need some interaction back and forth because I believe that God has a timely message for you and for me, and I believe for our neighbors, for our family members, for those who are watching online, I believe this is a timely message because I believe that God wants to bring some things back to life. I believe that God not only wants to bring some things back to life spiritually in our lives, but I believe he wants to do something emotionally inside of us. Some of us right now, you would use the phrase, maybe you feel a little dead inside. Others of you feel like maybe you're a little too emotional. So let me, let me just ask this question real quickly. How many of you would say you're an emotional person? Just raise your hand. Come on, you're an emotional person. All right, all right, look around. Those are your emotional people. How many of you would say, I'm not really an emotional person? Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. You're just not. It's okay. Here, here's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I look across the room. I see some of you. I know, I know my non-emotionals out there. And uh, it's all good. And he, here's what I want you to hear this morning. Whether you're an emotional person or you're a non-emotional person, God made you the way you are. There's no mistake. He didn't, he didn't like give this person the good stuff and this person not the good stuff. Like he made you the way you are. And I think sometimes we look at it and if we, we see people like, I'm not as emotional many times. 
Kasha is more of the emotional one in our relationship. She feels a lot of things. I don't feel things. She's used words, I don't know if she's used them more, probably more I've used them like dead inside. She feels things. I don't feel things as much. She's like, did you notice that person? I say, no. <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't sense that. Now, here's the thing, though. What really makes things interesting is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, though, speaks things for me. I didn't feel it, but I, but I know that the Holy Spirit was like, hey, Brian, pay attention to this. And I'm like, oh, okay. It, but it wasn't a feeling. Like, Kasha is like, I felt it. Like, I, I could feel that there was something there. And so... That, with the Holy Spirit, makes it really powerful. And, um, but I recognize this, that God made me the way I am, and he didn't make a mistake. And God made you the way you are, and he didn't make a mistake. But I believe that God wants to bring back to life our emotions. So look at your neighbor right now and say, back to life. God wants to bring back to life your emotions. So um, the thing I love so much about this week is Kasha and I got to spend time together, and and one of the things is, that, is as you spend time with an individual, you get to know them more and more. And so this week, we're just spending time, we're hanging out. I beat her in Farkle multiple times. If you don't know what that is, it's a dice rolling game. Honestly, I was like, if I wasn't a Christian, I should have went gambling because I could not not roll. I, I was just, I was killing it. And, and before we started playing the game, Kasha said, she's like, you're not normally good at games like this. And then when I just kept beating her and beating her and beating her, and, I was, and she was like, you're, you're good, actually, at Farkle. And I was like, I am. I'm amazing. <laughs> but we were sitting there, and we're just hanging out, and, and we're spending time together, and we're getting to know each other. And, and one of the things I realized is that she is very different than I am. And in the midst of that differences is where we find beauty in unity. You see, sometimes we look at others and go, oh, I want what they have. But when you're always desiring what someone else has, you're not being who God called you to be. God wants you to be who you are called to be. And it's not our responsibility to point out the things in other people that we want. We just need to be like, I'm going to be the best me. I'm going to be the best Brian that I can be. I don't, I don't have to worry about pretending to be someone else. I can look at other people and go, I can learn from them, but I need to be the best me. And last week we explored how God brings back to life spiritually things in it. And the way that he brings things back to life is, is really comes through how we respond. See, spiritually, it's how we respond to what's happening around us that really matters. We talked about last week about this idea of God um, forgiving us. And really it comes through us receiving forgiveness that changes everything. Jesus took care of our spiritual problem, but we decide how we are going to respond. And when I think about emotions, I, I realize that emotions are tricky. Because even though I'm not necessarily, I don't make decisions normally emotionally. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with, it's not that I'm not an emotional person. I, I do feel things. There are times where I cry. Um, there are times where I feel the moment in there. But a lot of times, like, my decisions are, are a little bit more rational in there. Maybe, maybe I feel like I'm a good mix. In fact, I, I would just say that. I'm just, I'm a perfect mix of both emotions and rational. At least that's what I tell myself, right? 
Because really the goal is, is, is to actually learn how to bring back to life emotions in a healthy way. In fact, I'll say this. I don't necessarily think that I do perfect at it, but what I'm constantly trying to do is just kind of land in the middle. I feel like that's what Jesus did. He said, you know, I'm all about grace, but it's also I came to fulfill the law. And he, he takes these two complicated truths and kind of puts those two together and really begins to show us how to live that out. I think for me, what I've tried to do in my life is to not let my life be dictated by my feelings. My feelings can fool me. In fact, sometimes my emotions tell me something that's not there. So I find myself on highs and I find myself in lows. And maybe right now you're on a high and maybe you're on a low. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're in between. Maybe you're on the journey towards the highs. Maybe you feel like you, someone threw you off a cliff and you're free falling right now. I don't know what it is. But what I do know is that in the midst of the highs and the lows, God is our constant. We're going to unpack that a little bit here in a moment um, as we talk about how to bring back to life the emotional ways that we respond. And, and here's what I would say. It's, it's how we relate to others who are around us. Jesus brings back to life things that have, in some ways, maybe died. Maybe right now you feel emotionally dead. And I'm not talking about, like, that it has to do with how you process through things. I'm talking about right now you just feel like, man, I just feel like emotionally I'm struggling in this we are in a, even as a church, like we see this big movement of like emotionally health and emotional health being the thing that we really focus in on. And I think it's fantastic that we're focusing in on that because I believe that God wants to bring back to life our emotions. He wants to bring back to life mentally the way that we think, I think physically the way and how we live. And, and our mission here at Bethany is real simple. We say this, we're all about bringing people one step closer by loving God, loving people, and loving life. So how do we actually love life? How, how do we love life in a way to where even in the midst of the highs and the lows, we understand that God is still in control. I love what Mark chapter 12 uh, reads this in verse 29. It says, the most important commandment is this, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, with your, all your mind, and with all your strength. What does that have to do with? It has to do with love. See, love is this key ingredient in the midst of the things that we're facing. What does love have to do? And I think of the, the Tina Turner song. What's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love? All right, come on, I knew it. Some of your BC moments coming out a little bit right there. You were at the club. What's love got to do? Got... Kasha's like, you didn't do that first gathering. Why'd you do it second gathering? That's what she's going to say. And I'm going to say, I, I know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have. She's like, don't do the pelvic thing, Brian. That's what she always, that's she always tells because I'm like, that's all I know. It's like, keep it, keep it, keep it right here. Keep it right here, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Back to the notes. But that, but that whole song is like this idea of what, what does love have to do with it? And here's what I would say. Love has everything to do with it. 
Love has everything to do with the life that we've been called to live. It goes on in that song, it says, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Like, here's what I know is that God has called us to love others who are around us, to love not only him, so we love vertically, like, God, I love you. And because we love him, that allows us to love others who are around us. Because people are different than us, right? Like if you're an emotional person, it is harder for you to love somebody who's a rational thinker because they don't think and act like you. Same way, if, 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 if the tables turn, we all have different people around us. So how do we love others? Well, we love God first, we love each other, and then when we love each other, then we begin to love life. And I hope that you get a hold of that because I believe that God has called you and I to actually love life. Come on. Like you and I are called to love life. This is not a life where it's like, well, I just gotta, I just gotta somehow just make it through. Just gotta, I just gotta, I just gotta make it through. I think God has actually called us to love life. Someone the other day, or well, actually it was today where I was getting coffee and they're like, Pastor Brian, and they said, I love it when you put out these pictures of you and Kasha out there doing things together. It's really encouraging to me. And you know what? For me, I'm like, I want people to see that we're loving life. Like, we, I love being with her. That's why I married her. And you know what happens is, like, the way I think about her normally responds to the way I respond to her. Do you know, if, if I'm like, oh, man, I got to hang out with Kasha, then guess what? My whole attitude is like that. But if I'm like, dude, I get to hang out with my wife. We get to hang out. This is going to be awesome. We're going to go hiking together. We're going to go camping together. It's going to be crazy. Our dog's going to sleep between us. He's going to get up in the middle of the night multiple times. Kasha's not going to hear it because she has her earplugs in. She's going to be fine. I'm not going to sleep at all because my stupid dog sits up the side of the tent and, and I let him outside. He doesn't go pee. He just stands out there, turns around, looks at me, and then walks back in the tent. Yeah, that was my camping trip right there. <laughs> so the next day I'm exhausted. Kasha's is like, I feel great. <laughs> but emotionally, how do, how do we relate to one another? You see, how you choose to love matters. How you choose to feel matters. How you choose to relate to others matters. If I asked you to pick one word right now, to describe your life. Like, think of your life for just a second. And you were to pick one word to describe your life. What, what word comes to mind? Um, no cussing. No cussing. What, what word comes to mind? Is it, would, would, would you think joy? Or would you think kind of numb? Would you, would you think uh, peace or would you think anger? W would you think um, fearless or would you think fearful? Would you think um, anxious or would you think confident? What's the word that comes to your mind when, when you think of your life? Let's, let's take it one step further. Because I think we can look at our life and we can go, oh, I can use a very overarching word for my life. Okay, let's, what if you were to describe your emotions with one word? What would your emotional state of being be right now 
if described in one word. If you were to be honest, what word would you use? Now, I'm not going to ask you to say it, but I, but I want you to grab a hold of that because here's what I know is that some of us right now, the word that we used is a word that maybe we're like, oh, I think I'm doing pretty good emotionally right now. Others of us, we're struggling emotionally right now. And you find yourselves not on the mountaintop, you find yourself in a valley. And here's what I know is that your feelings, if you dictate your life based upon your feelings, you will live life on this constant roller coaster of emotion. And God actually has called us to be, I believe, emotionally healthy. And the way that we're emotionally healthy is we recognize that God has given us the emotions that we actually have. Do you know that um, the scriptures actually tell us this, and there, there have been scholars and people who have done studies on the life of Jesus, of course, and they have found over 39 different emotions that Jesus has displayed throughout the Gospels. If you were to look throughout it, you would see times like where Jesus looks over Jerusalem and, and people are rejecting God, and, and what is it? He is grieved. There's the emotion of grief. Uh, religious leaders who care more about rules than the people. And, and, and what happens is, is there's, this, there's this righteous anger that comes up. Uh, moments where uh, followers of Jesus describe how God has actually used them in great ways. And, and in those moments, we see that he's overjoyed. When Jesus' friend Lazarus dies, we see that he weeps in sadness. Before the cross, we see him in the Garden of Gethsemane and we see him discouraged. We see him lonely. We see a spiritual agony that he's carrying in that moment. What, what do these various moments where we see Jesus having all these different types of emotions, what does that tell us? It tells us that God has actually given us our emotions. See, God has emotions. And I wonder, what if we saw our emotions as a gift rather than a curse? What if these feelings and these emotions that were, were, were what if they were actually essential to understanding an aspect of who God is? I know many of us struggle with our feelings. We, we struggle with our emotions. Some of us right now, if I was to say, you know, describe your emotions, you would say, man, I'm a train wreck. Because you feel like your emotions are heading you down this path and it feels like maybe you've been dropped off a cliff and, and there's no parachute and all you see is the bottom quickly approaching. And you sit there and you struggle with it because you're struggling with this, this idea of how do these emotions play in my life? But here's what I want you to remember. At each and every one of us have been given emotions by God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness. Now when we look throughout the scriptures, what we see is we see multiple people throughout the scriptures who had emotional moments. One of them, his name is David. Uh, some of you guys know him as the guy who killed Goliath with a sling and, and, uh, and a rock, a stone. But David actually, in many ways, uh, shows us an emotional person. I think David has a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Like, he's kind of like a roller coaster, right? Like, in one moment, he's like, I will worship the Lord forever, and I will sing praises to his name. And the next moment, he's like, I am but just, he's, I'm horrible. Like, he, he, I can't even think of how he says it. But basically, highs and lows. 
I think it's funny because like Amanda says that she's like, I, I think you kind of relate to, you know, you remind me a lot of David. And, uh, and I don't know if it's because she thinks I'm like highs and lows, you know, uh, sometimes. But I, I do feel that way sometimes. Like I have some highs. Kasha knows this. She's married to me. So she knows I have highs where I'm like, woo, let's take the world. And then days where I'm like, I can't do it. I'm a horrible leader. Like highs and lows. But I love what Psalms 13, David writes this, and uh, throughout the Psalms we see David kind of showing us the emotional side of life. In Psalms 13, I'll read the whole chapter, it's a pretty short one, but it says this, it says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Do you notice the word that he uses? How long, O Lord, will you forget me? No, he doesn't just say, How long, O Lord, will you forget me? He's like, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Like, I feel like, God, you've completely forgotten about me. And not just in this moment. It feels like forever. Anyone ever felt like your emotions feel like forever? Like, I, I'm in this state right now, and it feels like forever. That's how David is. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? David is like having this emotional moment with the Lord. He says, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. What, what, is, what is David struggling with right here? His emotions. He needs God to bring back to life his emotions. Because right now his emotions are fooling him. His emotions are saying, your foes are greater, your enemies are greater. God doesn't hear you. He doesn't listen to you. He's not answering you. He's, he's hidden his face from you. You must have done something wrong. And we know, based upon the story of David's life, we do know that he made some bad choices. And in some ways, David probably struggles with some of the bad choices and probably feels like, well, it's just, it's just I made these decisions and so part of it is just the consequences of my sin. And how many know there is consequence to sin? God forgives us of our sin, but there's still consequence. Guess what? If I go and I have an affair on my wife, will God forgive me? Yes. Will there be a consequence? Yes. Will my wife kill me? Possibly. Highly likely. Highly likely. And um, it's a consequence. And, you know, we kind of say it jokingly, but in, in a lot of ways we forget about the consequence that sin has. If I, if I steal from my workplace, will God forgive me? Yes. Is there a consequence? Yes. And I, I have a lot, of, a lot of times people will be like, you know, Pastor Brian, like, will you pray for this? You know, I really need God to, like, help me in this area. And it's like, dude, that's consequence of your sin. I'll pray for you, and I'll, I'll ask for God's grace to be with you. But part of what you're dealing with is you made a dumb choice. Okay, so David ends it right there. No, he doesn't. He actually gives us the key. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. Look at your neighbor right now and just say that. Just say steadfast love. 
Think about what that means. This isn't something that just comes and goes. This is something that's steady. This is something, it's a steadfast love. It's something that comes onto the scene and stays on the scene. It's something that you can trust in the midst of these moments. What David has to remind himself is that his emotions are fooling him. His emotions tell him, God's forgotten you. He's turned his face from you. Your enemies are prevailing. But what does he have to do? He has to go back to the moment of saying, no, no, I'm not going to trust my feelings. I'm going to trust what God has said. God is my steadfast love. So my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. See, I think so many times we, we become like extremists. It, we think that it's all about how I feel or it's, it's all about that feelings don't matter at all. But what God is actually saying is, can we just land in the middle? I want to look at an interaction that Jesus has. In fact, this is where we'll kind of stay for the most of the message today. In John chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, it's John chapter 6. You can open up on your phone, John chapter 6. If not, it'll be up on the screen. But John chapter 6, I want to set the stage for you. Because, man, like, there is something that I can't wait to share out here. I think that you can walk away today having been brought back to life emotionally with a key that we're going to read about right here in John chapter 6. So to set the stage for you, Jesus has been going. He's been performing miracles. There's been cool miracles that have happened. So much so that people have started to take notice. Crowds are building around Jesus. Because why? Because anytime you heal somebody, and those moments are happening, there was a guy who was demon-possessed. He set that man free. A guy who's um, received sight. So there's these miracles that are happening. People are gathering around Jesus. And so the first part of John chapter 6, what we see is um, the people are hungry. It's the feeding the 5,000. Jesus with five loaves and two fish feeds over 5,000 people. This incredible miracle happens. There's more than enough left over. And so that happens. And, and everyone reads that and they're like, they're on the emotional high. I, here's how I would describe it. They're, they're so pumped. Somebody's probably out there with, you know, selling t-shirts that say Jesus 480. You know, like, like they're, they're pumped that Jesus is going to be the next He's going to be the next king. They probably got shirts that say, you know, make, uh, make Rome great again Jesus or something like that. You know, like they are, they're so excited about it. So they think that Jesus is going to solve their problems. They're like, man, like Jesus is going to solve our problems. Look, if, if he can heal this person and heal that person, if he can take five loaves and two fish and feed all these jokers, like he can definitely take care of Roman oppression. Their idea is, is Jesus is on the high. They're pumped about it. Maybe, maybe they have slogan like Jesus clearing the swamp or something like that. Like they're just, they're pumped about Jesus. But here's, here's what Jesus says in John 6, 15, after the feeding of the 5,000. It says, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force. Notice what when we're emotional does. We, we just, we demand things by force. To make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. What did Jesus knew? Jesus knew that the people were emotionally attached. He knew that the people were like, dude, Jesus all the way. Jesus 2020. Like, I mean, I guess they wouldn't say Jesus 2020. But Jesus is the one. Like, he's, he's the answer. But here's what's so interesting about our emotions is that when we live life based on our emotions, then we can in one moment be shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then three days later, crucify him, crucify him. How? Because our emotions, when we live based on emotions, cause highs and cause lows. So Jesus recognizes this, and so he, he just withdraws from the place. He's like, this is not the way that we're going to do this. So we're going to address this thing differently. And if anything I've learned through the years, I've learned that our emotions can actually be dangerous. Let me just share with you just three simple thoughts real quick on our emotions. First is, emotions are dangerous. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. I think there's a lot of times where we have seemed like we were making the right choice, only to find that we didn't make the right choice. Emotions are dangerous. Here's the next thing. Emotions leave us vulnerable. Proverbs 25, 28. Like an open city with no defenses is the man with no check on his feelings. Think about that. Like, a, like an open city with no defenses is a man with no check on his feelings. The third is this. Emotions are controlling. To be controlled by human nature results in death. To be controlled by the spirit results in life and peace. Those who obey their human nature cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. See, our emotions, when we live life based upon our emotions, they can be dangerous, they can create vulnerability in us, and they can be controlling. The people in this passage right here were being controlled by their emotions. Why? They had seen Jesus perform miracles, they had seen him, so they are like, we want him as our king. If you were to read a few verses later, you would see that Jesus now finds himself in the synagogue Scholars tell us that the crowd of people that would have been gathered around would have been very, very large. Some have said five, some said 10,000 people that maybe were a part of this group. Man, like This is a big group of people who are following Jesus saying, we're disciples of Jesus. Like this is a, <laughs> this is a Trump rally at a whole nother level. <laughs> like, I mean, like everyone is there gathered around huge Jesus fans, huge, huge Jesus fans. And here's what's interesting is Jesus then says to them something that kind of, well, let's just read what he says. John chapter 6, verse 53. Jesus then says to the disciples, so this whole group of people, he's in the synagogue in Capernaum teaching this. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, listen, I know that we know the end of the story, so we know he's talking about the cross. But just picture if you didn't know that's the cross, and you're hanging out, and you got the Jesus t-shirt that you just bought, and you're super pumped that he's going to be the Messiah, he's the king, he's the one that's going to come, and all of a sudden he says, listen, here's the deal. You have to eat my flesh, and you got to drink my blood. Come on now. I think that's weird. <laughs> I think it's weird. If, if I'm there, I'm like, uh. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> and that's what happens. That's exactly what happens. The crowd dissipates, the people leave, and, and here's, here, here's, here's what happens. And this is, I think this is one of the saddest 
passages of Scripture right here. Because Jesus says these moments, and people think this is weird. People think, I, I, I just don't understand. In fact, here's what I would say. Their emotions say, I don't know how to relate to this. Eat his flesh, drink his blood. Like I, Emotionally, I was here. I'm all cool with you being king because I've seen what you can do for me. But this whole thing about blood and flesh and all that stuff, I don't know how to relate to that. And since our connection is emotionally, I'm out. And this is where that sad scripture verse comes in because verse John 6, 66. And I know some people are like, oh, here we go. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Did you catch that? After this, after Jesus said those things, after their emotions said, I can't relate to that, I don't know how to process through that. After that, the scriptures say many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. This is huge. See, people who are guided by their emotions will walk away from Jesus because their emotions are dangerous, they leave them vulnerable, and they control the way they think. See, they had a picture, they had an illusion of how they thought the story was going to go. They thought, they thought, this is how I'm going to relate to God. I can relate to him as conquering king. I can relate to him in that way. But when he starts talking about blood and flesh and eating of that, like, I, don't, I can't relate to that. And so I'm out. Now the scripture doesn't end there, and, that, and that's, this is where I love this, because I feel like, like this is gold, guys. Like this, is, this right here is the stuff that is going to help us bring back to life those things emotionally in, inside of us. So here's what it goes on to say. In verse 67, so Jesus said to the 12, so his 12 disciples, his closest, they're still here, but he asked them a question. And remember, anytime Jesus asks a question, it's not because Jesus doesn't know the answer. He's asking a question because he wants you and I to ponder what he's asking. Just like he wanted the disciples to ponder what they're asking. So he says to them, do you want to go away as well? Do you want to join all those who have left? Because I know this is hard. I, I know what I'm saying is hard. Now, I love this because Peter... Peter is a guy who we would say, based upon what we know about Peter and have read about Peter, we would probably say Peter is the emotional one of the relationship, right? Peter busts onto any scene. Like, so Jesus is out walking on water. Peter recognizes, I think it may be Jesus. I don't know. It looks like a ghost. But he says, if it's you, Lord, then call to me. Jesus says, come. Peter jumps out of the boat. He doesn't even think twice about it. Peter, when Jesus is being arrested in the garden of Gethsemane, someone comes to arrest. Peter's the first guy to draw his sword, cut the guy's ear off. Jesus is like, Peter, this is not the way it's supposed to go. When they're gathered around the table, and Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. Peter's like, I will never betray you. <laughs> Peter is the emotional guy of the 12. And look at who answers in this moment. It's actually Peter. 
And this is what I love. It says, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Because Jesus, remember, just asked him, do you want to go away as well? And Peter's like, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Dude, good job, Peter. What does Peter show us here? Peter shows us the importance of the words of God. This is huge, guys. How do you walk through the emotional seasons of life that you're in right now? How do you walk through COVID-19? Here it is, right here. Hold to the words of God. How, how, do, you, how do you, in the highs and in the lows, walk through with emotional strength? How do, you, how do you bring back to life things that seem dead? How do you bring back to life the things, even when you feel like you're on the mountaintop, how do you do it? You hold to the words of Christ. And what Peter reminds us about in this moment is he reminds us that God's words bring about eternal life. He's reminding himself of that truth. He's reminding the other 11 of that truth. And he's reminding us of that truth. Peter shines brightly here because he keeps his emotions in check by actually putting them in line with God's word. Why is it so important to say in God's word? Because God's word is the thing that brings back to life our emotions. Man, so let me put it in a statement for you. A focus on the word of God brings back to life our emotions. I can't tell you how proud I am of this church body right now. Like, so this is the first time in really in my, in the whole time I've been pastoring that I'm watching people engage in God's word. Like, I've seen it in the past, but not at this level. Like, people are jumping on every day during the week and soaping. People are talking to me and coming to me and saying, Pastor Brian, I was reading this in God's word. It's so good. People are starting to digest God's word in community with others. People are talking about it. Like, Kasha and I, we're talking about it. Like, we're engaging in God's word. And what is happening is, is God's word is bringing back to life our emotions. Because all of a sudden, when we feel like we're in a low, we read God's word and we see, oh, that doesn't line up with that. And God's word is the very thing that helps us walk through these seasons. This is so good. Peter shows us the power of God's word, but then, but then it doesn't just end there. I love because God just keeps dropping more truth bombs on us. Keep reading. It says, Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the 12? So Peter says to him, it's your words that bring life. And then Jesus looks at them and says, reminds them of this truth. I chose you. And just like he chose the 12, he's looking at you and me and he's saying, I chose you. You're my son. You're my daughter. Listen, you're, you're, yes, you're emotional. I chose you. Okay, yes, you're not as emotional. I chose you. God chose you. In fact, look at your neighbor right now and say, God chose you. Come on, look at him again and say, God chose you. He chose you. Like that changes everything. You've been chosen by God. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't go, oh, man, they messed up on that mold. 
He didn't. God chose you. And Jesus is reminding the disciples, just like he's reminding us, he's like, I chose you. And that's a powerful question. Did I not choose you? See, some of us, in the midst of our emotional moments, whether highs or lows, we need to remind ourselves, did God not choose me? Did he not, did did God not choose me? I can't tell you this past year how many times I've had to be reminded that God chose me. Because I'm like, God, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can lead this church through this season because I don't know how to make the right decision. Do I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? Should we not? Should we meet? Should we? uh, 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 High, low, high, low, oh, oh, oh. That's how I felt, honestly. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you're like, I just think you're crazy. Maybe I am. But here's the reality. Is God has constantly throughout this past year reminded me, Brian, did I not choose you? Brian, did I not call you? Brian, did I, did I not call you here to this area for such a time as this? Brian, Brian, remember I called you. I'm calling back to life your emotions. Jesus always makes these powerful statements with these questions that he asks. And then, but then here, here's what's crazy. He says, you, so he says, um, did I not choose you, the 12? And then, then this is what's interesting. He says, and yet one of you is a devil. What's he talking about? He's talking about Judas Iscariot, who's going to betray him. Why, why would Jesus say that? He, and this is the beauty of it, guys. Listen. He chooses you even in your mistakes. Mm. Come on. Like, it shouldn't just be Pastor Eric saying that's good. He chooses you in your mistakes, in your brokenness. Even when he knows you're going to betray you, he still says, let's get dinner together. He still chooses you in the midst of your brokenness. Come on, I'll clap for that because that's good. He chooses you. That's the key right here. How do we bring back to life our emotions? We recognize that he chooses us. How do we know that he chooses us? We read in his word that he's chosen us. And we recognize that he's chosen us even when we act like the devil. Even when we make mistakes. Even when we're broken. Even when we can't get it all figured out. And so you can read that and you go, man, this is great. Even in the betrayal and even in the sin, God chooses me. But Pastor Brian, I just don't know. Okay, well, let's, let's dig into God's word. Let's see if we can find another passage of scripture that backs up all the stuff we've been talking about. And I found it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Man, this is so good. Here we go. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Okay, who are we? We're God's chosen ones. What is he talking about? Holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. What do those sound like? Those are a lot of the things in how we respond emotionally. He goes on to say, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Man, that's good. So even when we've been wronged by others around us, even when emotionally we feel like someone has destroyed us or taken something from us, even when you've been wronged emotionally, because come on, some of you are carrying emotional baggage that today you're going to be set free from. I believe that. Today God wants to set you free from emotional baggage. And you're like, I didn't cause it, but it's affected me in a way I've been carrying it. And here's how it's going to be forgiven when you forgive them. But Pastor Brian, they didn't ask me to forgive them. They don't have to ask you to forgive them. 
you just got to stop carrying it. Because unforgiveness is eating away at you. It's literally destroying the way you think, the way you process through things. It's become the filter of everything in your life. And God today is saying, listen, I'm reminding you that as I've forgiven you, you must also forgive. But it doesn't stop there. This is what I love because it keeps going. He goes on to say, and above all these, put on love. We were just talking about that in the beginning. Love. That's the, love is the thing that brings everything together. In fact, it says this, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. How is our world going to be changed? How are we going to go from just these emotional up and down roller coasters? It's going to be when we are bound together in love. And that is what will bring us better together, perfect harmony. Yeah, a few of you. Okay, here we go. Let's, let's keep reading. It says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart to which indeed you are called in one body and be what? Be thankful. We should be thankful. And then it gets even better. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What is it talking about there? It's talking about being in God's word together. It's about actually taking God's word in. Like Peter reminding us about earlier. He's like, listen, it's your words. It's the words of Christ that dwell inside of us. No, we're not going anywhere. And yet Peter was someone who lived an emotional roller coaster, but in that moment he got it right. And then it goes on to say, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Man, I'm telling you, this is a season for right now where God wants to bring back to life things that seem dead. And some of you right now, when I asked you earlier to use one word to describe your emotions, you didn't use a word of life. You used a word of death. And I don't say that with condemnation. I just say it to just bring about a reality that God wants to bring to life that thing that you think is dead. So you think that, you think because someone wronged you in this way and it caused this emotional hurt that that's always going to be your story. But God says, listen, I want to use that part of your story to actually write an even greater story. But you're so focused on hanging on to unforgiveness towards that person that wronged you that you're actually walking not in a place of freedom. You're walking in a place of bondage. And God today, I believe, is saying to you, I have come to set you free. And it comes through my word being in your life. Spend time in his word because it's his word that will bring about freedom. I want us to do this. If you could stand to your feet across this room. Maybe even in your homes where you're at, if you're watching online right now, I want you just to stand. I want you just to close your eyes for a moment. I believe that God wants to meet with you here today, these moments right now. Really felt impressed first gathering and once again in this gathering that really all of us need some emotional healing. No matter where you are in there, we need God to bring back to life some emotions. We need, we need God to bring back to life some things in how we relate to others who are around us, how we even relate to his word.
And I believe this, God wants to set some people free from some things today. And so all of us are going to just take a posture of just asking God to restore some things in us emotionally. And so if that's you and you'd say, you know what, I, I want to be a part of that. I want you just to put your hands out just like this in front of you right now, like you're receiving something today. Father, I really believe that all of us in many different ways need some emotional healing. We need you to bring back to life some things that have died inside of us. We need you to bring back to life some things that we've been struggling with. We've had a lot of highs. We've had some, we've had some lows, God. And in the midst of those things, it has caused moments where maybe even the crowd has begun to dissipate around us. And we recognize that we can't do this on our own. So, Father, continuously keep bringing us back to your word. Bring us back to your word so we can discover more truth about who you are. And every time we do that, we keep taking one step after another step after another step. And it's not in our strength, but it's in your strength. We're becoming more like you every time we spend time in your word. You're refining us. You're sanctifying us. And so, Father, I pray over every person right now that they would receive a fresh outpouring of your spirit upon them right now. I pray, God, for those who are struggling with unforgiveness, I pray today would be a day where they would no longer leave carrying unforgiveness in their hearts. But today, in this moment, right now, right in their seat, right in their homes, right in their cars, wherever they are right now, God, that this would be a defining moment for them where they would say, that was the day, this day right here, when I was listening and participating in this moment, that was the day when I forgave when I recognize that I've been forgiven of much and so therefore I'm going to forgive of much. I'm not going to carry unforgiveness anymore. And Father, it would be in that moment of releasing that that emotionally there would be new life that would come to people. God, they're not, they're not going to be the same anymore because of a moment like this right now. So Father, we receive, all of us, we receive from you today a fresh outpouring of your Spirit. God, I pray that this week, as we spend time in your word, as we spend time just, just reading, just, just spending some time, and maybe some of us, God, we're sitting here and we're going, I don't even know where to even start. And God, I just pray that they just join us on the soap session, just say, okay, I'm just going to listen to what other people unpack in God's word. And then as that happens in their life, they're going to just grow a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And every time they keep coming back to your word, God, I believe it's going to bring about life change inside of them. God, may we not be led by our emotions, but may we be led by your word. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the freedom that you're giving. I pray, God, for even after this gathering, as there will be people who will come up front and they'll gather with prayer team members and they'll pray over various things. I pray, God, that you'll meet with them right where they are. God, we're believing for freedom to be in this place, in this house, in the lives of every person. So God, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name.